chapter 3. This is, uh, <clears throat> I believe, our sixth class in the study of the will of man. And this morning's, we're going to look at Genesis, where the third and fourth will were introduced with Adam and Eve. We kind of finished last week a little bit. We introduced it a little bit. We haven't finished it. And I'm also going to talk about the image of God in man, God creating man in his likeness and his image. So we're going to address those issues. And when, you're, when we're done, if you're super confused, join the club. No, we're going to be trying and bring some clarity to it. Um, so let's pray, and we'll begin class, uh, first class of 2020. So I, don't, I think that's pretty cool. Remember, it's 2020, new decade. So I know a lot of you probably wrote checks this week that said 2019. So your bank will deal with it, or you did something that said 2019. So welcome to 2020. Father, we thank you for this time. Uh, again, a blessing to come together as a body of believers. I know there's many people sick in this room this morning. I, I notice that as I look around, everybody's staying away from everybody else. Uh, probably a good thing. Father, we just, uh, again, thank you for the blessings of this building. Thank you for the blessings you've given us in your word. And more than that, the blessings that we have in each other. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's, here's what we're going to do. Kind of introduce this um, in some manner, shape, or form. We, we left off last week talking about who did Adam listen to. And Adam was not listening to God's voice. He was listening to the voice of his wife, uh, Eve's voice at that time. And uh, here's where we started. God started in eternity past with one will. It is the supreme will. We call it the sovereign will of God. Whatever you want to address it as, it's God's will. And, and it will always be God's will. God being the sovereign of the universe, though, however, allows challenges to his will. And the first challenge came by Lucifer, the uh, most beautiful of all his creative angels, I would say. And I don't know how to judge that, because uh, all angels are created in, in some angelic form, obviously. But we know from Scripture how he was adorned, how he was looked, and how he uh, was given the authority over the earth by the Lord himself. And, and he challenged God's will, and he says uh, his, he wants his throne to be exalted above God's throne. That's the basics of it. We're not going to go through the whole thing again. Then we went to Genesis where God, be, it says, in the beginning, and in the beginning for man, God introduced, in the sixth day, he created man. And when he created man, he created man with a certain image. We'll talk about that and a certain way to do things. And man had a will, and uh, his chooser chose something simplistic over God's very clear word. And we went through God's basic instructions to first man, which was what? Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and don't do what? Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was it. Simplistic instructions. I think if you had a business and you only had two instructions in that business, it would go really well, you would think. Um, the problem is... <clears throat> No matter what your instructions are, even if it's one, there will be somebody that will take upon themselves to do their own thing. I think many of us have seen signs that said, keep off the grass, and people are walking across the grass. There's a lake over here uh, at Leak Park. Anybody know where Leak Park is behind Thoreau Middle School? Before they rebuilt the lake, there was a sign out there that said, no fishing. Listen, no fishing. Standing next to the sign was a guy fishing 
And I took a picture of that, and I couldn't find it because I was out there uh, playing ball with some of the kids. And I said, that's hysterical. I mean, he's literally from this to here. He's a foot and a half away from the sign fishing. And I'm going, okay, see, this is human nature. One, just one thing that's requested, don't fish. I don't know why he was fishing because nobody should eat anything out of that lake. So I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was just drowning a worm. I don't know. But it was, it was pretty funny. So if you look at things, if man had a multiplicity of rules, how would he do? So God later gives Israel ten commandments, right? And, it says, and also gives them civil laws and other laws that go along with that. Um, basically to say, can, can you trust me? Can you obey me as a nation? How did Israel do? Well, throughout all of Israel's history, they did not obey God. God is looking for that, and we'll, we'll pick up with that in the second class in Matthew, where we have a disobedient nation of Israel that cannot submit to their king. Isn't that fascinating? So we have a, a long history of people not being obedient to God's word. So when we get to Genesis chapter 2, verse, uh, I'm sorry, Genesis 1. And we get to the sixth day. So let's pick up in verse 24. We're just going to kind of segue into this understanding of the image of God. And uh, if you have questions, let's kind of table them towards the end of what I discuss. And then we'll address some of the uh, questions. Because prayerfully as I go through this, most of the questions will be answered. Um, now, remember... When we get to verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and, cre and creeping things and beasts of the earth of their kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle of, after their kind and everything that creeps on the, on the ground after its kind, and God saw that it was good. So that's the beginning of the sixth day. The sixth day of creation brought in animals. Now... Um, Against all uh, secular knowledge, evolution never occurred. So these animals didn't bring forth humans, and it's very clear what will happen because God did something different after he made the animals. So all the animals were established, and, and I want you to remember this more than anything. These beasts and these animals were reproducing after their kind. So dogs have... Cats have, okay, uh, let's go something bigger. Whales have, whales, okay, those kind of things, we, after their kind. So we can't find a dog having a cat. It just doesn't happen. Or a cat having uh, a horse. It just doesn't happen, okay? Uh, so all the, when you categorize these things, they're dog kinds, there's uh, and some of the dogs are dumber than other dogs, uh, and some are smarter. Uh, that's kind of obvious. I, you know, you can tell a poodle certain things, and then you get nothing out of it. And you can tell a, a what like a, a, a what's a well trained retriever. They, they're just easy to train. They're smart dogs, um, sometimes too smart, but they only they're still only what dogs. Okay, no matter what we do, they're still dogs. So we get to verse 26, and then, then there was like an interruption in this day. Um, I, and we, for sake of conversation, we know it's a day, but it doesn't, does it take 24 hours? I don't know. God could create everything in the moment, but he took days to do certain things for reasons. And we're not studying the whole act of the six days of creation. We're just talking about this incident on the sixth day. 
Then God said, let us make man in our image. A fascinating statement. Because during this whole time, it says God said, and there was. God said, there was. God said, there was. And it was good. Okay? Now, all of a sudden, something different happens in the middle of the sixth day. There's a conversation that's unlike any other conversation that's happened before. There's a plurality in the, in the pronouns. Us and our. Do you see that? Us and our. Who's God talking to? You know, now we can't say, because we're smart people himself, but it kind of sounds weird, doesn't it? But God is, a tr- is, is triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We know that. But he could, let's rule out something. He couldn't have been talking to the angels, because why? He's not going to consult with the angels to make something in our angel, angelic and godly image. That's, that doesn't even make sense. Remember, it's God. The angels are quite lower than humans, and one day humans will do what? Judge the angels. So there's, it's, you know, it's not a tier, God, angels, man. It's just God and all the rest of creation. There's, and it's not a closeness in our understanding who we are to being God. I, I love it when some people assume deity for themselves. So we have the pharaohs, we have the Caesars that assume deity, and they're still mere men. They're not even close to being deity. So, so we do know um, from certain things, and it's also interesting, the verbs in here are in single form. So a plurality decide to do something in singular. So it's the plurality of God deciding to do something as a, as a unified front to do something. They're going to they're gonna, uh, let us, <coughs> excuse me, let us make, make man in our image according to our likeness. Now I'm going to say something just conversationally. Our image and likeness, I believe, are what we call Hebrew parallel. They're the same thing. They're saying the same thing. So we can't say, well, God made image and likeness. I can't find a difference. It's just intensifying it by God saying we make, it in, make them in our image and in our likeness. I believe it's, just, it's the same idea there. So let's talk about this idea of image and likeness for a minute. Now, I'm also going to say something. Um, I don't think we'll fully understand this until we get to heaven. And then we'll see what the likeness is. Now, let's rule out something before I get into all the words. It cannot be physical. The likeness, if, if this is godlike, I have issues. Even in our glorified state, there's not a likeness to God. Because why? What's the first thing we can say about God if you have a good theology proper? God is what? So who said that? Spirit, right? God is spirit. I'm not. I'm material. I'm material. This, this body's a material place, puts me in one place, one time. So we can't say this is godlike. We can't even take some of God's attributes and apply it to us because a lot of God's attributes have to do with immaterial. You with me so far? You got it? God is spirit. God, if we know one thing about God, he's everywhere at every time. So he's not saying let's create man with this bodily form. Later, when Jesus takes on a form, it says in the likeness or form of man. So Jesus takes on what God had consulted to make man physically, Jesus takes on. So Jesus didn't have that as the second person of the, of the Godhead, didn't have that in eternity past. So if you see a Christophany, am I going too fast for some of you? If you see a Christophany in the Old Testament where Jesus makes a pre-appearance, he's taking on uh, a form. For, for that instance, but he doesn't have a body, a material body, until 
uh, Bethlehem. I almost said Christmas and then smacked myself. Uh, until Bethlehem, okay? So that's when Jesus takes on a body and we'll have a body forever, okay? We're with this. So we can't, we can't say Jesus had a body before creation, therefore we have a body like Jesus. Uh, no. And I want us to understand that. So uh, let's talk about image um, and likeness. So later in chapter 5, Genesis chapter 5, verse 3, <clears throat> we see something that's a little different here. It says, when Adam lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. So now Adam has a son, which is, and it's kind of interesting, this will be a whole different conversation for another time, but he doesn't, this is not attributed to Cain and Abel, it's, it's attributed to Seth. Don't ask me why, I don't have an answer. But this is when Seth is born, and he said, and, and what's recorded here is Seth is Adam-like. So when we're born, we, the first thing we could say is we're in Adam, we're Adam-like. So at that sin nature that Adam had after the fall was passed on to his kin. So that was that likeness. That's part of that likeness. Was it material? I don't believe it's, I still don't believe it's talking about material ever. Okay? And we can have a discussion on this, and I'll probably say I disagree. That if you think it's material. Uh, and in it, but however... However, I'm going to say this in a different manner. If you think God didn't create you with the physical appearance you have, you're also off bounds. And, or if you, dis, or you think God did, made a mistake with some of your physical appearance, that's also saying God did a horrible job. And that's, but we can't attribute it to Genesis chapter 1, right? Because God is creator of everything. Um, but we're talking about just specifically what Genesis chapter 1 talks about, this image and likeness. Um, it's interesting that this word image and likeness is also talked about with idolatry. When you make an image, an idol, you're making it in the likeness or image that you want it to look like. So these words are very uh, transient, I guess is the best way to say it. It can be used for different things because it's just saying, what is the mark that makes you in the image of something, okay? Uh, so when we're talking here, simply Genesis 1 and staying in Genesis 1, the likeness and image of God. What does it mean? Okay. Let's talk about complexity. I think it deals with complexity, uh, how we're made. Because the animals were made first, and the animals had a soul. The animals were to reproduce, and that's what was given first on that first day. But man was not created biologically the same. There are similarities, Right? But there's many differences. Uh, the psalmist uh, eloquently states in Psalm 139.14, we are wonderfully and marvelously made. God put something different in man that's not in animals. Man is distinct and separate from all creatures. So when Adam goes later to look at the animals and name the animals, he can see distinctly there's a difference. There's absolute difference. He was not, Adam was not looking for a mate. I, you know, he was not saying, oh, giraffe, maybe, you know. He, he wasn't doing that. He was, he was looking through these. God was making him names so he, Adam, could see what was missing. 
what was missing in, in his match. Um, but for instance, if you were to take the human hand, just for, and we're talking about complexity of design, okay? Animal design versus man's design. Just in your hand, do you know how many differences you have in your hand than any animal can possibly do? The, the ability to take a can and crush it, at the same time take a can and hold it. That's a, that's a complete difference from animals. They don't have that dexterity to know the difference of, they can, don't get me wrong, they can crush, but the simplicities of moving your hand, of this, you know what this is, right? A thumb. No animal has that, okay? A thumb like ours that could just pick up something, shake a hand, box, use a bat, whatever you're doing uh, in life, the hand is super comp, just the hand. So if you just took inter- other parts of the human body and saying, can we find an equivalent in nature? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So when we talk about that, um, so I would say the engineering, God's work in engineering man was totally different, super complex. And we're designed, therefore we're designed to give God glory. No animal gives God glory in and of himself. Okay? So that's, that's one of the most important things. So what makes man different? Uh, it's, now, obviously, we've already talked about the physical appearance, but man has a soul and spirit. Now, however you want to do this, now, this is going to be complicated, so some of the kids in here, I don't want to make it too complicated, but man is body, soul, and spirit. I believe before salvation, the soul and the spirit are, are, are equivalent um, at salvation, the spirit is made alive. So then, therefore, if you're a believer, you have body, soul, and spirit, three parts, okay? An animal does not have a spirit. I believe an animal has a soul. Um, I don't know if all dogs go to heaven. I don't know if I care. I'm trying to be nice. Um, my luck, I'll get there and I'll be all pit bulls. But obviously, what we need to see is that if we look at mankind versus animal, we're different. I don't think, you know, and some of you have some, watched some fantasy-filled movies, but we're not going to live on Planet of the Apes where the apes will take over and incarcerate men. But I've never been to a zoo yet that has apes incarcerating men and say, look, that man, throw him a peanut. But if you go to a zoo, it's a mankind that have exhibited animals, okay? Uh, and, and many times mistreated them. I understand that, but that's what it is. Um, so let's, let's do this. Let's go to Deuteron- <coughs> excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And what we're going to do is look at some various verses that will help give us an understanding of what this complexity is but not the physical understanding. So let's eliminate some things. So Deuteronomy 4, 15. Uh, Yeah, we'll start in verse 15. Now, when this word is used later in verse 15, 
It says, so watch yourselves carefully, since you do not see any form on, on the day the Lord spoke to you at Oreb from the midst of the fire. So when God spoke to mankind, God did not have a what? Form. Okay? And then he says, lest you act corruptly, make a graven image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. So what God says, basically, when you saw me and heard from me, you never saw a form, a, a material part. Yet man will take what they think God is and then make a material part. So anytime man does that, he falls extremely short from understanding who God is. Right? Because to do that, you've got to take God's creation, a tree, a piece of metal, whatever it is, and make a form of God in the likeness of what man is thinking God would look like. Okay? Now, many of you have seen comic books and had many thoughts. What does God look like? Stop that. Because what you're going to do is you're going to fall extremely short. And one day you'll be standing before the Lord and you'll know. And I think the glory will outshine anything, and it's not going to be what we think it's going to be kind of idea. John chapter 4. Go to John chapter 4. <clears throat> and I think with these two sets of verses, we can clearly see uh, the difference of what we're talking about versus uh, immaterial versus material a little bit. John 4, 24 says... God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So God's spirit. We've already said that, but there we now we uh, nailed a verse to that. So God is a spirit. How do you get a physical form out of a spirit? How about 1 Corinthians 15? 1 Corinthians 15. Now we're talking about what, how God has created us in his image and his likeness, and let's try and get a and nail this down a little bit. We're going to look at something that's interesting about our estate will be like. Um, let's pick up in verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. So what is Paul talking about? This is a resurrection chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, and it says, something's going to happen to change man. Well, I believe the moment all of you were saved, you have been transformed. You know, we should put a sign up that says, we believe in God's transforming love. Right? Because God loves us, and he's going to transform us, what? The moment we're saved. Well, there's plenty of verses for that. But then it's Paul saying something else is going to be changed. In a moment, verse 52, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we, will be, and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on imperishable. So he's talking about what? The body. Uh, if you don't believe the body's perishable, see me afterwards. You know, we all should know it is. Uh, uh, and, but he's got to put on imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So that's the day we're looking for, forward to, that death is done away with. Uh, most of us are looking for, uh, for if, if Dwight was here, he'd say, rapture. It's rapture or death. That's, gonna, that's our next appointment, right? 
Um, and prayerfully, the rapture comes first. I know all of you are waiting for that appointed date. But that's to change us so that we could be accommodated for the eternal. This body's not meant for eternal. Okay? So there's a difference there. So let's talk about uh, the immaterial state, because I believe this is referring, this image and likeness is referring to the immaterial part of man uh, and, and, makes, and also gives us different abilities than the animals. Uh, it's totally different. Uh, and, and I'm going to say this too. We've got to make sure we're clear on this. I'm going to give you understanding of the immaterial part of man, but it's also limited to who man is. We don't have the exact limitations that God gave, has. God has given us limitations by being human. But he says this is what likeness and image is like. That's why studying this is difficult. I'll be honest with you. So as to volition, does man have the power of choice? And I believe he did because on this, uh, God took him on the sixth day and made him in his likeness and image. And then God gave him commands. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And sometimes context helps us understand what image and likeness is like. So we're back in Genesis chapter 1. And then we're going to look at another verse in Psalm. So put something to mark your Bible here in Genesis 1. But in verse 27, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And God blessed them and said, what? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it and rule over uh, the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and every living thing that moves on the earth. So God created man to what? Make a choice. Those are all choice words, right? They're, all, they're given in a command, and they, Adam has to make a choice. And obviously, Eve with him, because it says they, this is given us a synopsis of their creation. So both created. Psalm 139. So we're talking about part of the immaterial part, the likeness and image. It has to do with being able to make a choice. And obviously, if we're talking about making a choice, God wants man to choose willingly to obey him, to obey God. Psalm 139, which I referred to previously, verse 14, it says, I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So what the psalmist is saying, I will choose to give you thanks. I will choose to praise you. Because of who I am, as I understand how you have created me, and this is something the animals don't do. The animals do not thank God, praise God for who, who and what they are. Um, now, it's interesting. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, I want to give you all a test. Ready for this? Open Bible test. Can you show me some place that Adam chose to praise God? Isn't that interesting? Adam's first use of his chooser was to do what? Listen to his wife's voice over God's voice. Isn't that fascinating? When the psalmist says, I will choose to praise you because I'm wonderfully and majestically created, marvelously created. And he says, I will praise you. 
Adam didn't do that. I can't find a place that Adam praised God. Just something to think about. But uh, so Adam didn't give way to what he was, his creative purpose was. Um, so first of all, as we look at this, God chose Adam, uh, made Adam to cho- willfully choose him to obey him. So we have volition. How about emotions? Are emotions different than animals? Now, I know some of you have had a dog that got hurt or a cat or a parakeet or something, and you took them to the animal hospital because you thought they were in intense pain, and you equated that animal's uh, feeling for pain as to yours. And I understand that. I think an animal feels pain. I think an animal uh, loves in its own way. I think an animal has some emotions in some manner, shape, or form, but not like man's ability to feel. Not like man's ability to understand emotions. It's totally different. Uh, Some people's emotions are off the board, and some are stoics, okay? But we do have a variable amount of understanding that comes to when we say emotions. The Bible does. I know it's often we kind of get accused of, oh, all you want to do is think biblically. You don't have any emotions. No. No, it's wrong. Uh, But emotions should always follow a biblical understanding, or or give way from a biblical understanding, um, but we are emotional beings, right? I, I should hope so. Uh, and unlike the animals, all right. Thirdly, how about the intellect? So man has w- uh, will or volition, emotion. How about intellect, ability to think? How about think analytically? How many animals think analytically? Ever give a math book to a monkey and see how well he does on the test, cannot handle it. You know, he may be able to tap three times in a cage and you hand him a banana for doing it three times, but that's as far as his algorithms are going, okay? But man can think uh, analytically. No matter who they are, most men do and women do think uh, and calculate. They think quantitatively, you know, you go to a store and you're shopping, you just don't say, well, I'm a monkey, I need a bunch of bananas, and that's it, and you walk out. You, you go in there and think, well, I got to have this menu for this night, and, and I need this much quantity of this much food, and you, you fill up your cart, and you say, this makes one meal. Oh, maybe I'm a weird shopper. Um, but some of you go in here and you analyze, and then some of you do something that I think is uh, detrimental. You read labels. And you say, well, I don't want all that stuff. You know, and you put that back on the shelf and you say, oh, this is made just purely from whatever it is. It's pure. And they call it organic and charge you three times the price, but we won't get into that. Um, but the idea is you, you analyze things, you deduce things, you make a decision. You know when the ca- register lady made a mistake and said, excuse me, that's two for five. Instead of, you know, five dollars for one, it's on sale. And you say, no, you mischarged me. I don't think a monkey's going to do that. Now, a monkey's going to sit in line and go, hey, you know, you did that wrong. Uh, and so when we talk about the intellect being so much more advanced than monkeys, um, sometimes if you look at some of our studies in science, we waste money. We, do, we really do. Do uh, you know our first NASA program was to do what? Was to find life on other planets. You know that? I could have saved them a whole lot of money. Because there's no life on any other planet. And if you found any life, like a water drop that may have something in it, it's not going to be get that life. It's just going to be a germ forever or whatever it is, okay? Because God put one planet with man on it, and that was it. This is it. Uh, but if you look at man's ability 
to be intellectual. Um, you ever think about, now, here, just for instance, let's talk about the political scene right now. Let's be intelligent, okay? There's two different sides to most poli uh, political understandings today, and I would say the other side's ridiculous. I just would, but I'm going to say the other side's going to think we're ridiculous, but we're, they're bo we're both analyzing and deducing things through our prism of understanding. It's not saying that they're, they're completely without understanding. I think their understanding's limited, but it's like, it's like listening to anything, anybody in the religious world. There's another paradigm. There's different religions in the world, and you listen to their uh, feedback with each other and how they understand certain things. You say, how did you get there? I was listening to a debate the other day on YouTube, and it was supposed to be a religious debate through basically liberal versus very uh, conservative, different sides of the issue. And I looked at the liberal side and said, man, they don't even know how to read the Bible. Okay, but they saw it through their prism, and if we weren't saying they, were, they would lack intellect. They lack a prism with which to understand the proper interpretation. So it was an intellectual debate, and they were 100% wrong because <laughs> of their prism and understanding of their interpretation. If you want to ask yourself why people get different interpretations from the same Bible you're reading, it's because of their uh, prism in which they're doing the... It's not lack of intelligence. It's just lack of biblical understanding. Fourthly, there is authority. God has given man authority. It says very clearly here in verse 28, Genesis 1, 28, that man is to rule over, rule over the earth. <clears throat> so man was created in God's image to rule over, and man was to be in submission to God's rule and authority, yet all of creation was to submit to man's authority. Uh, how's that working out for you? You know? How, how many, going back to fishing, how many of you have been fishing and caught nothing? Huh? Every time? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but there's many times I spent whole days fishing and caught nothing. And I'm sitting there saying, I know there's fish down there. I can see them. I can see them. And they're, they're kind of like going right around the area I'm fishing at, okay? And you say, well, you weren't right using the right lure or, or right warrant. Listen, if I had true authority over creation, I'd just say, hey, jump in the boat. I don't have to sit here this long. Nobody's got this much patience, okay? Um, so when sin entered into the picture, it blurred that image of God in man for potential rulership, and now we look at it, man does not rule over this earth, and creation groans for the day of redemption that it will be put in the right order, that creation will submit to man's rule. Um, now, let's talk about Adam's first move with his will, his emotion, his intellect, and his authority. Ready for this? He's confronted with a situation called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He, if he does not eat from that tree, he honors God. If he eats from that tree, God has to do something very important. God has to make a, a judgment on him that will be detrimental not only to him but all of mankind. Um, which is fascinating 
Because Adam chooses to dishonor God. And in that moment, God has to do what God does as the authority over all of mankind, which is to judge man. Okay, and we're going we're gonna to get into that in a moment as we deal with those ideas and talk about sequencing. Um, but when we talk about the image, kind of let's just finish this idea of image of God. Um, so when we talk about man, man's reflecting the image of God in his will, in his emotion, in his intellect, in his authority. Uh, and we see that that makes man distinct as a creation from the animals. And, and basically we look at this and, and we say, as mankind, we are sharing some of the qualities of God. And how do we make use of that? Because man is to be responding to God. How does a plant respond to God? Okay, how does, how does a, a dog respond to God? You ever spend time with your dog and say, I'm going to stay home and worship, and me and Fido are going to have a time of worship? How does your dog respond to God? Okay, uh, so th- let's just look at something. I want to show you this. Go to Genesis 2.19. I want to put all these ideas that I brought forth, the intellect, the emotions, the will, and we're going to look at some verses that have to do with that. So in Genesis 2.19, it says, And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to man to see what he would call them, and whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. So it's, it's fascinating. We talk about Adam's intellect. Adam, Adam could... Right off the bat, I don't know what school Adam went to. Um, it, I'm sure it wasn't a Latin science uh, background, but he named all the animals, and then got and the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an etzer, a, a soulmate, I guess is the best way to put it, a helper suitable for him. In other words, as he went through all these animals, he he saw them and said. Nap, 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 not me, not even close to me. So we have Adam's ability to, to name the animals and, and clearly see that there was not a, a, an equivalent to him in the bunch. Um, that would have been a fascinating thing to review, how Adam's naming the animals. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a film clip in heaven, and it's called Heaven Tube. So... Genesis 3.6 says this, when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise. So don't you see some emotion there? Now, I'm not blaming women for emotions. Men have emotions too, but we can see that there's emotion there. And there's will, because she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, don't miss that, with her, and he ate. And I would say this verse is the turning point of human history. All of human history pivoted on that one verse that woman ate, made a choice, and Adam, what? Willfully listened to the voice of his wife, and he too ate. Okay? Uh, And at that point, authority uh, was slowly trickling from man, and now man fights each other for authority over various things. And... um, there's not a winner because none of them have ever submitted to God's authority uh, in, in, a, in a total manner. 
I want to read this from uh, John Phillips' commentary on Genesis. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Man is in no way related to the beast. What animal can transmit accumulated achievements from one generation to another? Just think about that. An animal. Okay, an animal has discovered the tire. And the animal's going to say, hey, next generation, here's a tire, now build a car. It hasn't happened, okay? What animal experiences a true sense of guilt when it goes wrong or has developed the consciousness of judgment to come? What animal shows any desire to worship? What animal has the hope of immorality, uh, immortality, excuse me, <laughs> animals the other ways, they're, they're fine, uh, Immortality beyond the grave. What beast can, can exercise abstract moral judgment or show appreciation of the beauties of nature? When did you ever see a dog admiring a sunset or a horse standing breathless before the rugged grandeur of a mountain range? What animal ever learned to read and write, to act with deliberate purpose, and set goals and achieve long-range objectives? What animal ever learned to cook its food, to cut cloth, make clothes, or invent elaborate tools. What animal will ever enjoyed a hearty laugh other than a hyena? But I think that's fake. What animal has gift for speech? Even the most primitive human tribe possesses linguistics of a subtle and uh, complex and eloquent nature. Man stands alone. Physically, he alone of all uh, creatures of the globe walks upright. Mentally, he alone has the ability to communicate in a sophisticated manner. Spiritually, he alone has the capacity to know the mind and will of God. And I think that's pretty succinct. So um, any questions before we shift gears to the next place we're going in this subject? Okay. So we have an understanding of, of, of the image God gave to man. And we're talking about the will of man. And what happened? So let me give you sequence. Let's go back to sequence. First of all, there is God alone and God's single will. And he expresses his will um, quite verbosely in this thing called the Bible. So if you want to know the will of God, you must be in the word of God. You must have seen the sign out front. Uh, that's a good place to be. So to, in order to understand that, we have to look into the word of God. So God alone, that's one will in the universe, Existed. Then God created the angels and allowed his will to be challenged. And Satan took up the challenge and challenged God's will. And we went through Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. And then there were two wills on the, on the scene. I'm not going to say on earth, but on the scene. Okay? And then God creates. And on the sixth day, he creates men, men and women, men and women, or Adam and Eve. And gave to them the freedom to choose to, to choose. Listen, let's do it this way. He gave them the freedom to choose to do his will. Right? There's two wills that exist. God's will and Satan's will. And God gave Adam and Eve the ability to choose to do his will. If they did not do his will, they were going to do Satan's will. Which would become their will. And, the negative, and that negative expression of that will uh, caused uh, grave danger to all of mankind. Uh, and if you notice this, that the biblical record says the, man, the moment man chose to follow a satanic understanding, which was to disobey God's will and, and eat from the tree, that uh, uh, the children of Adam and Eve 
gravitated to human viewpoint, not the will of God, nor the will of, word of God, because what's the first thing that happens to their children? Can't we all get along? What happens to Cain and Abel? They also have a, a chooser, and Cain chose to what? To directly disobey God. And God says, um, sin is what? Crouching at the door. And he still had a choice to what? To make things right. Um, we know that God did not accept what Cain did, okay, um, as far as his offering was. And God says, you got time to go make this right. How would, how would if Cain made this right? Do what Abel did, Right? Which is fascinating because when Cain slew Abel, he slew him like he would slay an animal for sacrifice. That's the way the Bible describes it. So when Cain did what he did to Abel, he should have done it to an animal. Um, and then we know that one thing about man, man therefore centers his life on himself. Man becomes self-centered and it becomes all about himself. And if you want to know most of the problems, if you were to ever do counseling, most of the problems you'll ever encounter is man is selfish. I don't know if that just opened up a whole new world to everybody. But man wants to make sure, not men, mankind, okay, wants to make sure they're enthroned on their life. And Adam sinned because Adam chose to sin. It was an act of his will over the clearly defined will of God. God said, do this and don't do this. And Adam did what he was not supposed to do. It's clearly defined. Okay? And we saw the sequence. Now here, write this sequence down because you need to know this. God gives a law. God gives a law. God also offers, if you break that law, there will be a penalty to breaking that law. And if you break God's law and suffer a penalty, you have to enter God's courtroom. And in God's courtroom, God will give you a sentence. So we have law, penalty, courtroom, sentence. Now can we prove that in, in the arena of Genesis? Well, Genesis chapter 2, God gave a rule. He said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't say anything else. When Eve and Satan have a discussion over what God said, my question is, do you think Satan did not know what God said? Satan knew exactly what God said. But Satan's really good at doing something, adding to or subtracting from the word of God. And if he can get you to do the same thing, he's got you on the same playing field. Do you understand? And it's real easy, it's real easy, stick to the word and say, this is what thus saith the Lord. And Eve never said that. So first of all, we have God's law. Second of all, God gave a penalty. He said, in the day you shall eat, and eat of it, you shall surely die. So God said, if you eat, which you shouldn't, this is what's going to happen. Okay? And if you notice the second they ate, what did they do? They played hide and seek with God. That's, that's to me, it's, you know, if you want to see some comedy in the Bible, there's a comedy. They're going to hide from the omnipresent God. Where are you going to hide? And then they put on what? Something the animals wouldn't do. Animals sin. The animals wouldn't say, okay, I'm going to go put on... Uh, clothes and make myself a cloth to hide from God because I now recognize my nakedness before God, so I'm going to clothe myself so God doesn't see how he made me. And how did that work out for Adam and Eve? Fig leaves. 
fig leaves. Shelf life of about 30 minutes, right? That didn't work. Um, but they chose, they chose to eat. They knew they were, they were going to be penalized and had to have judgment with God and meet in God's courtroom. And at this moment, God's courtroom was Eden. And God judged them, cast them out, and put uh, basically guards so they could not enter back into Eden and eat from the tree of life. Okay? Um, which is interesting. Look at Genesis 3. I, I want us to see something. Genesis 3, verse 11. Kind of fun stuff in Scripture. Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. Well, let's start in verse uh, 9. 9. It says, And the Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? Now, who's the fact-finding for? God's, could you just kind of picture this? God, Adam, Adam. And Adam's crouching. <laughs> he doesn't see me yet. He's still calling. You think this was for God or for Adam? It was for Adam to say, here I am, Lord. And this is what happens in the next verse. He said, I heard the sound of thee in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. First time you ever hear a man afraid of God. Because man is already now what? Under the guilt of judgment. Okay? And he says, uh, and he said, who told you you were naked? Who told you? Have you eaten from the tree which I have commanded you not to eat? Did God not know this information? God knew all this information when he's wanting man, standing before the judge of all judges, he wants man to what? Fess up. Come clean. And what does man do to come clean? Real easy. Blame somebody else. The man said, the woman thou gavest to be with me, that my soulmate, my, the one that came from my very side, my flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, this very dear woman, she gave me to eat. <laughs> Do you hear that? So in the courtroom, how does this jud or jurisprudence working out? Cast blame to somebody else. Which is fascinating because God said to the woman, what is it you have done? And the woman said, not me. It's the serpent that deceived me, and I ate. You see what's going on? You see this constant uh, barrage of things. God set a law. God set a penalty. They're in God's courtroom, and now God must give a sentence. And what we have in verses 14 through 19 is the sentence God gives to mankind, to Satan, and to woman herself. So... Um, so let me just back up for a second, though. For sake of conversation, let's talk about, let's take these, this God paradigm of Genesis chapter 1 and apply it to society, okay? Uh, do we have order in society? Do we have laws? Do we have laws? Yeah. Uh, do we always have penalties? That, that's kind of a conundrum, isn't it? What are the penalties? Well, today's courtroom, you can get out of anything if you just plead what? Insanity. What a great plea. At that moment I did this, I was insane. Well, you're probably insane from the moment you were born, because we're all not in our right mind, right? We all have sin. 
and you want to blame something, you say, well, I didn't do it. A couple of weeks ago, I told you about the kid blaming wrestling, the wrestling uh, thing. Today, it's people blaming whatever. I was on drugs for five days. I was on this. Um, you don't know how mad she made me, whatever it is. Uh, so when we, even though we have laws on the books with attached penalties, I don't think they're always carried out. But the emphasis today is not uh, why did you do it or what made you do it, is did you do it? Do you understand the difference? And I think we're in this day and age now is why did you do it, what made you do it? That's not, the, that's not even the question at hand. It's guilt or not guilt. Um, uh, and it's not, never anything that has to do with external factors or forces to explain a crime. It's you did it or you didn't do it. Um, It's interesting, though, when men commit a crime or, or, or commit sin, what they've done is respond positively to their sin nature, and therefore they are personally responsible. So when we talk about laws, man has to be put in a courtroom, has to be done justice because man is guilty, and that's why the Bible very clearly says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the penalty for sin is what? The wages of sin is? Death, that's God's courtroom. Now, the only way to adjudicate that in a fair manner is either you pay the penalty or someone else pays it in full for you. So that's a whole different thing we'll discuss at another time. So uh, next week we'll pick up with some of the application of this idea and hopefully and prayerfully we've addressed the issue of image of God, likeness of God. So let's pray and go get some coffee and whatever else is back there. And Some of you can go... Uh, Deal with your colds. Separate yourselves. Father, we thank you for this time, a blessing that we have to come together, a blessing to spend time in your word, and more than that, you're very clear on your specific design of man, the difference and distinction of mankind, and, and how you've made him uh, marvelously and, and designed him in such a, an eloquent way. Father, we thank you for you, who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.